welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> welcome back, everybody, to the Flex Success Podcast. Today, we're going to teach you how to be less shit at something with someone. Now, for people that are watching on YouTube, they're going to see that someone is Mr. Will Crozier from Nexus Performance. Uh, and I'm also, as always, sat here next to my lovely a partner, Lizzie. Hello, everyone. Now, you tell me it was on YouTube as well. But was the last one, the last episode we did, was that on YouTube? Yeah. Yeah, you were on the couch, you were on the casting couch. Yeah, you should have done should've. your makeup if you knew. I was going to say, I should have done my beard. Have you noticed my beard growth? It's pretty I was going to say, this is the thickest I've seen your beards. It's very wolverine It's a bit uh, I remember we have had discussions about um, getting past the itchy stage. I've made it. I've, I've made it. I'm, I'm into the home stretch now. <laughs> have you moved? In about two years, it might be slightly longer than this. <laughs> so, Have you moved into the stroke phase, post-itch phase? As in, like, when you start, like, doing these ones? You start uh, Yeah, but it's feels mostly neck for the YouTube people out there. It's really annoying. I need I need this part. But um, not even you're there yet, and you've been at it for uh, years. So no, you and I are one and the same. Uh, outside of the, what do you call this? I would call it the Shannon Knoll. The Shannon Knoll. <laughs> the, the, under the lip, I, I'm bald on either side of under the centre part of the lip, uh-huh. uh, and I'm pretty bald uh-huh. at, even at the top of my face. If... If anyone was watching YouTube, that's my jawline. So, like, my hair pretty much starts on the jawline, just like yours does with. Guys, I'm going to stop you. This is not thrilling content. Uh, we're going to move on. This is, this, is, this is what the people want. Come on. I'm pretty sure people only came here to talk about Liz. Uh, sorry, to, to hear Will and I talk about our beards. I don't think so. This is the beard podcast. The shit beard podcast of that. Uh, I bought a beard comb. This is great. Dean, this is seriously. great. <laughs> no one cares about beards. We're not talking about beards, okay? No more. Now, Will, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put up your voice. This is your second appearance on the podcast, Will. Your first I'm one. I'm the elite crew. I'm the elite crew. There's not many of us. Yeah, before pressing record, we were trying to think who's come on the second time, and it's only been a maybe a couple. Select handful. That's so for sure. you definitely are part of the elite crew. But it was a long time ago. It was actually in our house when we both lived in the Gold Coast, and Stan and I are now in Europe. So for those that haven't listened to the podcast, I'm like, who is this guy with a thick neck talking about beards? Can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Will. I am a powerlifter, currently on hiatus due to the uh, opening of our gym, Next Performance Gym on the Gold Coast. Uh, but we're before this, before the gym, we're an online company. We coach mainly strength athletes. I would mean at it for about eight years. Uh, we're oh, team seven now, so I don't know what we were at last time we spoke, but it would have been probably like four. I think so. Um, so we've expanded since then. We've brought on another nutritionist, uh, PT, and, and gym manager in the gym. So, yeah, we work with people all around the world just to get stronger, to get bigger, and to mainly get into strength sports, but um, not exclusive there. I don't want to say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Me as a lifter, if we, if we go into that, I, I, I feel weird talking about my lifting now because I feel like a fraud right now. Um, like I said, the lifting is a little on hold with the, the stress of the gym. But um, but I still do hold the under 110 all-time Australian powerlifting record. And that's, that's 110 kilos in body weight for those playing at home, not 110 centimetres in height. Or pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that's a small that's a small boy what's that like 50 kilos that would you'd have to be 12 and can i just say uh will is a fucking lean and jacked 110 as well mm, very modest could get on a bodybuilding stage dean has dean has helped on that journey uh definitely pro what was the last pro, pro not like 11 whatever it was at 12 at, at 2019 uh we worked together to get there which it's crazy. Definitely the biggest, leanest, thickest, juiciest I've been. Mm. Um, Is that how you guys met through the coach-client relationship? We no. met. No? We met through body. In very different circumstances. Okay. I met Dean in my. I don't want to say no. I was about to say I met Dean in my underwear. Definitely not the case. It's <laughs> um, getting kinky. I, I met. <laughs> I met Dean in the in the process of bodybuilding. Okay. Uh, I actually don't remember. How exactly we met through? I'm pretty sure it was at um an A and B show in Sydney. 
Which stands for Australian Natural Bodybuilding, for those who are unaware. Scoff at that. Um, Back in the days. Yeah, we met through a Australian meant to be natural (laughs) bodybuilding. Natural on the day bodybuilding. Um, (laughs) We met through a mutual friend at the time. His name was James. Um, I believe you and Dan have spoken a fair bit online. Um, I was working the booth there for Nutrition Warehouse at the time. And and then, yeah, I I met Will because he was talking to me about his protocol. Yeah, at that time, macros were still kind of the cool thing to do. Like people yeah. were like, you know, it's not like now, whereas people understand. It's also it's it's definitely better, way better now. But back then, like macros, a lot of people like it was new that you could eat non quote unquote clean foods and get in good shape. Um, and so it's kind of that first generation or whatever bodybuilders at that at that time. It kind of was when it was really being pushed forward. I definitely did it badly because uh, this is something I'm sure you've both spoken about at length on here, but, like, macros aren't everything, apparently. So back then, I thought they were. Uh, And so the bodybuilding prep consisted of me eating to my macros with foods that were maybe a little bit stressful in the gut, that were a little bit not thought out near as well as what they could be. And so I didn't get in exactly the shape I wanted to. But yeah, um, we spoke with my mom, James, and then got there. We got there. I remember going and getting coffee when I was as black as a jelly bean. Yeah. Um, just. Well, fun, <laughs> funnily enough, you spoke about rack macros there. James Allegra at the time, who's the guy, was very pro flexible dieting. So much so that I think even at six or seven days out, he would flexibly diet a pineapple and ham pizza from Domino's into his dinner. And James got peeled. Yeah, because um, it was cool back then. It, it was, was, it was, it was, that was, it was like, if, if you were doing that, people were like, shit, yeah, man, like you're eating pizza, like that's so cool. Like it's, yeah. It was yeah, like but he was also doing diet. similar things. He was doing like protein fluff and like was pregnant from protein fluff. And like, he was very flexible, like that very IIFYM. So then, yeah, I'd met Will, we went for coffee and he was super bloated and he was telling us how he had been carving up on an immense amount of potato. Um, and he's he just was like, I just don't know if I can get more in, but my coach wants me to eat more potato for this next half of the show. <laughs> and James and I were like, dude, we're here having a coffee. Why don't you just swap those carbs for like a Gatorade, you know? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And this is a testament, again, I suppose, and like this comes full circle as to the mindset of an athlete who's willing to follow a coach's orders, even if they're not certain that it's the best for them. They just know it's not harmful, though. But there's nothing wrong with eating potato. You know, right. there's potentially some advantages here. But Will was like, yeah, yeah, that's like a good idea. And then I remember like a couple of hours later, he gets on stage and he's still super distended. And we're like, what did you do? And he's like, I ate the potato. Because you your coach told you to. It was, it was in the plan. Yeah. Um, it's funny. The whole prep was flexible as, as in like pure macros, nothing else, no advice on veggie intake or, or all the good things that we do today. And you guys do flex. Uh, um, but then for some reason, the peak week was written out to like the, these exact foods. And so like, kind of stupid looking back on it <laughs> like really but the whole stupid thing was i was dying with um john otis hollywood if you remember mm. you remember that him which wasn't his name so like how i ended up signing up to a guy who has had like a fake online persona to 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 prep me like i i don't know it's mm. just the Looking like saying that out loud now, I'm like, man, that was so dumb. But somehow, somehow it became so. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was my yeah. initial exposure to Will. And then my next exposure was like, I remember having this what the fuck moment because you did men's physique, I believe, in that comp. Did you do men's physique? No, that was bodybuilding. Oh, that was bodybuilding. Always physique. Um, anyway, like a couple months later, I was on a forum watching powerlifters and there was this ginormous human at 100 kilos with traps that touched his earlobes, yeah. squatting 300 kilos. And then I saw the name and I was like, Will Crozier? What? Like, that motherfucker <laughs> was like maybe 80 kilos. And then I <laughs> looked close and was like, it is Will. And then he showed up in Queensland. Like 70, yeah. yeah, showed up in Queensland later on in powerlifting and took some some numbers on that, did very well. And and then, yeah, the rest is history. And that from then I've only ever known you as the powerlifter. Uh, and we've just progressively spoken more and ended up the coach-client relationship. I'm going to give you the title of the juiciest powerlifter that ever existed. Do you accept this title? I accept. I accept. Good. good. Some other people may not, but we don't talk. We don't care about that. We, no, we, we only care about what you think of. He's, um, he's up there with the juiciest, that's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I, went, I went from 70 kilos to 110 kilos in, in a matter of, I think it was six months. <laughs> Did you get stretch marks from that? 
I already had stretch marks. I just always have. My skin's never liked getting bigger for some reason. Okay. But um, but I got just uh, the the knees, the 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 shin pumps, yeah, the back pumps. The inability to walk more than fifty meters during that time was um unbelievable. Like I just I just remember those times being uh, a time of my body rejecting all this weight. Yeah. So well, well, accepting all of the weight, rejecting how you wanted to feel. Yeah. Yeah, so- but I was so strong in the gym. I was like, "Fuck yeah, this is sick." <laughs> Outside of the gym, ain't life. Can't walk, can squat, 300 kilos. Yeah. Um, All that matters. <laughs> do you think so? So a good a, a question that I want to ask you, Will, given that you have done more than one sport and, you know, you've excelled as an athlete and you've gone through these big changes in sh- sh- such short periods of time, can't talk correctly, mm. um, what advice looking back and having time to reflect and going through all these stages might you have for somebody listening who's, trying to be better at engaging with their sport. Or transitioning in this instance. Yeah. Or transitioning, whatever. Man, so many, so many avenues to go down. But I think the first one that pops to mind is this is something I say all the time, but in different contexts, but it applies here as well. It's like that the best athletes, the people who are at the top of of powerlifting for sure, and definitely of bodybuilding 100 i'm sure you would agree is the best the best athletes are the best planners or that work with coaches that help them plan them like it like planning is literally the sport like sure like we get to go and we watch the the guys flex on stage and go like oh that's cool like he's really good or, or somebody squat like a huge weight but it's been well, months at least but you know years of of, of kind of stepping things out periodizing not only training but periodizing nutrition alongside it periodizing life alongside it periodizing the ups and downs of all that come with that having some way to keep on moving forward like there's always a way to move forward always whether it's um like my at the moment opening the gym super duper stressful which means uh there's much less of a recovery bucket there i can't recover from near as much training there's a lot of there's a lot of taken out by that that mental and physical stress uh, with that. But so I put the, the hypertrophy and the strength a little bit on the back burner, but like it's a focus on like trying to be healthier, trying to do other things, trying to move forward in other aspects of life. And I know that that luckily bodybuilding, powerlifting, they're pretty low barrier in terms of age limits. So like uh, I feel like um, – a lot of younger people, especially these days with people getting into the gym at 16, like you want to, you want to be a pro by the time you're 18 and then things like that. Like it's really like right now in a rushing moment. And I was definitely the same. I think everybody who has that mindset wants to be the same, but I know powerlifters who are breaking Australian records. I know powerlifters are breaking world records at 40 something years old. If you look at the Olympia stage, the, the mean age definitely isn't 20. Um, they're old. So they've been at it a long time. So I think that's that's a good place to start us on this conversation is just like be ready to plan shit out on a very long-term scale if you want to be really good because I can guarantee you all the best people have either a really good planners themselves or have coaches that are meticulous planners for them. Mm. Yeah. And you've already touched on the point that there's some sacrifices if you want to be really good. So even like walking a few minutes was really hard for you because of your hips and your, <coughs> and your back and all of that. How um, or what advice might you have for somebody who wants to be at the top of their game but might not want to make those sacrifices? As in like the, yeah, well, sacrifices in general, I, I would honestly say you're, you're in the wrong place mm. at that point. If you want to be at the very, very top, you want to make no sacrifices, it's, it's not the world for you. Like, if you want to go through a bodybuilding prep like Dean is right now and be a few weeks out from comp and just be loving life and going out with your friends or not sacrificing anything, like just living, don't do bodybuilding. Well, don't do bodybuilding at a high level anyway. Um, do you, if you, don't, do you, you want to go, yeah. for, go through a comp prep and not have a bad, you know, an angry back or, or a little bit of a sore elbow tendonitis from, from low bar squatting and bench pressing a lot? 
hey, that's part of the process. If you want to make your weight class so that you can be really competitive and be, you know, the leanest and biggest or, you know, like I said, a pro rule, I could really, like that, that prep was meticulous. I went to plan hard to get under 110 on a two-hour weigh-in and not have to cover a lot of weight and not sacrifice a ton of performance. Like it was, it was a lot of sacrifice in that prep. Mm. It, yeah, this reminds it's, it's me. It's not sacrifice that. year round, I guess, is, is what, what I think you're trying to get to, though. It's, it's not, hey, like, I don't, you have to be super strict on your diet, super strict on your training, putting up with injuries, not being social, whatever it is, um, year round. You, you, like we said, back to planning. Hey, I plan this during this phase, really stressful for training. So, like, let's not do life events and stuff during that. And then during this stage, I've got uni exams, I've got weddings, I've got whatever. Hey, but that's not a time when I'm going to be training very hard or, or you know, nutrition, dieting really hard or whatever it is like this. If you plan really well, the sacrifices line up. You, you, yeah. you, know, you yeah. move forward. You, you know what you're going to sacrifice in advance. It's not a shock. Well, that's the other thing. I think when you don't plan, the perception is, is that you have to be perfect 24-7. Yeah. Because you fear yeah. that you're not doing enough because you don't have like a, a yardstick as to what success looks like. Yeah. So then each week you think, oh, I need to do it all. And then when you fail, you feel like a failure. Yeah. And then you go back onto it. It's almost like the binge, you know, restrict cycle. Like you're constantly going off and on, off and on, off and on, purely because you haven't set up the expectations appropriately. The all or nothing mindset. So, yeah. What I was going to ask was like, and this ties into this planning and now even also determining when you can pump the brakes versus push on the gas pedal, um, even though no gas goes out when you push on the pedal. <laughs> um, do you think you can be an elite athlete and have balance? In our sports, yeah, absolutely. I think so. I, I think, I, like, uh, they're not, they're, like I said, they're sports that, are, that you can do so later in life, if I was, if I was a, uh, to use you in this example, like wanting to be an elite football soccer player, like what the, the time gap you're going to have to be at the top of your game is much shorter because like there's going to be somebody like after five, 10 years, like there's going to be somebody younger, faster coming up and, and he's going to, like you just can't fight that. That's age. That's biology, right? Like that you lose that pretty quickly. Slow strength, aka powerlifting. And just physique, you can, you can keep around a long time. So I feel in us, we we have a much longer time frame. We can have we can have downs and ups and, and plan that out really well and continually be getting better, continually getting stronger. Like it's if I felt like if I was in the other sport category, in one of those sports where you're, you're much more finite, probably they're probably putting their life on hold for that nearly that entire time. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's I know. What do you think this? Uh, I think that for powerlifters and bodybuilders, this saying rings very true. Everything in moderation, even moderation, because Will previously just spoke about planning and there's times where you can't be social, you have to make tons of sacrifices, and there is no balance in that point in time. Your focus uh, is really heavy on what you're doing and you're sacrificing everything else. But then other points of the year, maybe the off-season, for example, there is some room for balance. So, yeah, that I, I guess I guess balance is lumpy for you. I was going to say phase specific, yeah. Yeah, phase specific, yeah. But in yeah, the shorter lived sports, Will's arguing for the fact that you probably can't have as you can't have balance, yeah, until you've expired your use by date. And at soccer, <laughs> that's like mid twenties, right? Well, that's the like as an anecdote for me. I remember when I hit twenty one, uh, which is when I quit playing you know, semi-professional here in Australia, amateur soccer, because I was like, I'm past my due date. Like if, yeah. I, if I'm not in England now at 20 playing for a club that's paying me money with the opportunity yeah. to get into a Premier League division, what's the point? There's, there's, there isn't one. I'm, I'm now limiting my potential to do other things in life by trying to stick to this goal. Yeah. And it was either make it a hobby or do something else. Yeah. But maybe I can just speak to all the listeners that aren't competitive or professional athletes listening because I'm not – you know, competitive or professional. Um, in any way. <laughs> I'm definitely not professional. Now's the time to say penis. <laughs> I always do want to play the penis game in a quiet cafe. Um, anyways, I believe that I personally have found balance th through fire. I've learned by fire because, you know, I have entered the odd competition here and there when I, when I was younger. 
And I did think that in order to have even a body that was slightly above average, I did need to do everything perfectly. My nutrition had to be on point. My steps had to be exact. I could never miss a training session, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at the ripe old age of 32 now, I'm just trying to keep a physique that I feel healthy and feel good in. That's about it, which I think is probably the majority of the people listening here. Yeah. Um, There comes a point where you learn a new definition of balance. Um, And for somebody who has never trained, who's never eaten well, they might look at my life and go, that's just way too much. But coming from the perspective of feeling like I had to do everything perfectly, the little luxuries that I have now feels like balance to me. Mm. You know, like I still cook nine out of 10 of my meal, more than that. I, I probably eat out two meals a week, you know, and I eat four meals a day. So, and, and that feels like balance to me. I train about four times a week, but I used to train six days a week, two sessions a day. So four times a week feels like balance to me. So for me, it's like all a matter of perspective. I think it's perspective and context specific too, because mm. I think, um, I say if we just, if we just married up uh, relationship and sports intention or athletic intention, just yeah. as the two things we talk about balance. So can I have balance in my relationship and be a successful bodybuilder? Um, I think if you take and have, then we're classifying that as balance without the relationship, you can probably pour your heart into it a lot more because you don't have to worry about other people. Um, so you can say, I have balance in that. I do everything that I want, but you also don't have to worry about somebody, but then you add a partner in and now you may still be able to, you, you could argue that if you uh, maintain the same behaviors, you'd be a better bodybuilder, but you're going to do that at the risk of causing that relationship some, heart, some heartache. Yeah. And I think that heartache that you think you may cause then detracts from your ability to be a great athlete. Yeah. So you, you need to have relative balance, I guess, is what I'm probably trying to say is like the same behaviors dialed up in an individual with no care for anybody else can't be transferred into another part of life where there are other people to consider. Yeah, I think that's a large, a really big can of worms that maybe this isn't the podcast for because there might be people listening being like, what do you mean heartache in a relationship during a prep? I think if you haven't been in a relationship with a professional athlete or a very competitive athlete, um, people might not understand. But let me tell you, I have considered starting a support group for partners of competitive athletes. We should, so, we should get yeah. Nikki in and have a, a four-way um, counselling session here. Yeah. Whew, bent it. Will yeah. and I can just sit back and go, oh, we fucked up. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I've been through that too, Liz, about the whole, um, like you said, about the trial of fire thing because, funnily enough, when we were talking about that bodybuilding time, when during that time I remember, like, my, my, my fitness pal streak was like two years or something. Yeah. Like there literally wasn't a day where I didn't track, including like Christmas. I remember like our tradition was, uh, like you said, Dean earlier, we'll go to after our Friday gym session, me and the, the couple guys that we trained with would, would go to like the pizza capers, but like would bring our scales and like weigh the pizza and shit. And it's, it's definitely not a healthy way of enjoying food. That's for sure. Even though we thought it was, thought it was fucking great. Um, because we could see the results in the gym. But definitely, if I look back now, there were definitely sacrifices that came with it. Like, I, I definitely lost friendships, definitely lost time to enjoy during that period. You know, like, there's, there's, there were definitely sacrifices that maybe I just didn't realise at the time that um, mm. I definitely gave up. Whereas if I were to go back and do bodybuilding now, I think a, a much more balanced, like a much more balanced approach would actually get me a way better result because I could like not hold the stress as much. Like I could, I could, I could know that there's going to be ups and downs. I can predict it. That, like you said, then you set yourself up for failure in your head. If you have like, like, if I missed like one meal of tracking back then or missed, like I, I did something that wasn't exactly the plan, I'd be like freaking out about it. And I'd be like, shit, like how can I like make up this macro balance? Like, can I take off tomorrow's plan or whatever? You know, like you, it's, you don't realize it's stressful, but it is stressful. And it definitely impacted my ability to like lose fat, gain, keep muscle, um, all that stuff back then. So I think about bodybuilding now with a much more relaxed mindset, with a much better approach, um, like under you guys, it would, I'll get heaps better results. I no yeah. doubt at all. Like I look back on it and go like, fuck, should have just chilled a little bit. <laughs> would have been cool. 
Yeah, part of the I, macro tracking mini course that we put together at Flex Success, there's 16 short lessons, but one of them is what to be anal about and what not to be anal about. Because there's definitely, like, if somebody needs to be tracking their macros quite meticulously, there's some things that matter a lot, like peanut butter, oils, jams, honey. Because uh, if you're just estimating that being 20 grams off, you know, multiple times a day uh, can make a huge yeah. difference to the energy balance. Whereas if you're weighing your parsley, <laughs> which is something Dean used to make me do when he's first prep, um, or, or herbs or non-starchy vegetables, fresh fruit, whatever, just the, once you've weighed it a few times, you know what 100 grams looks like. You can just kind of eyeball it. And if you're 20 grams off, 50 grams off, it's what, like three calories? What do you fucking do? Yeah. Sometimes you'll be over, sometimes you'll be under. So it's, yeah, it's really important to learn from your mistakes, which it clearly sounds like you have, Will, and know what matters and what doesn't. I used to not want to use mixed fruit bags because I couldn't guarantee that the ratios between the fruits were <laughs> accurate enough Love to it. hit the label. Love that, that for sure bothered me. I only started, I only started being okay with that this year Did in you? regards to this prep. Like now if my zucchini is 106 grams instead of 100 grams, I don't take that out. Like Six grams of zucchini. I'm like, 0.3 of a calorie or something. But in the, in the past, I would have, you know, it was like you would remove every little slither until it said 100.0. But it sounds to me, sorry. It sounds to me like this amazing. <laughs> it's a lot easier, you know. Like wow, I said, mixed fruit bags. You trial, trial by fire, you learn what is necessary to be meticulous about what you can afford to have more balance around. Um, you're absolutely right in that the balance that I have in this prep around uh, being open to moving more and doing other activities to get my my output in has made this far easier than standing on a fucking treadmill and wanting to neck myself within two minutes. Man, um, that just brought the memory during my preps where it was like, I remember one, like during the end of those preps, it was like six one-hour list sessions on a treadmill or bike or elliptical and then like two hit sessions a week. Oh. But get this, like back then steps weren't, I don't want to say they weren't a thing. Like clearly they were, they existed, but nobody fucking tracked it or did it. So like, I remember I was working as like, um, like in retail and also doing PTs and stuff at the time. Like the, I would sit down for like the entire PT session because I was just so freaking wrecked. Yeah. So like, even I was doing all this cardio, it was completely offset by me like doing absolutely nothing outside of that. Mm. So, like, I thought, thought I was doing the right thing. But, again, another thing that I've learned, like, oh, shit, like, I could have done that so much easier. Like, uh, could have walked on the beach or just enjoyed it, a bush. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to use the stair mask to get those glutes in. Oh, my God. Uh, so, so someone then who is a beginner, who because like, we're talking about how we were beginners here and potentially even more informed beginners than most, you know, because uh, we still had, like, the interest in reading and you, you, sought, you sought after, like, what was known as a well-known coach at the time. How does a beginner become a better planner to ensure that they don't have to deal with so many of these problems? Man, I, I want to go to the cheat answer and go hire somebody that can help because that's how I, I dealt with it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's maybe not the best advice. The, the, I mean, I, I always find that, uh, that when I lose track in my overall, let's call it like momentum, like I, I kind of like stuck in a little slack on gym sessions, I get a little slack on nutrition. I just find that getting me back on track is, is uh, like finding my lowest hanging fruit, which is always my nutrition. Like I know that like, like I fall off the wagon there first. And if I get that back on track first, that all the other things like fall in line and then I start to plan better overall. So like, I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think it's just like just starting, like doing something. I think if you sit there, kind of just I kind of like going like where do I start like you know here's the here's the prep like what am I doing it's just uh you just overwhelm yourself so mm. just start by doing stuff and then just write out the next couple of weeks I guess I guess it depends on yeah exactly what the goal is but well I can anyway. see the seduction in people wanting to like change their nutrition and their training get their sleep on track do everything at once do everything yeah, and I really like your advice of, like, just start, just choose something because then you can build momentum. And, and if we do try and change everything overnight, that never lasts for long, does it? And it erodes people's confidence in their ability to be successful. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we follow your advice, we'll have just start, just choose something, then it's easier to do one thing and then add another thing. And then, add, and then before you know it, you're like, wow, this is totally different to the shitty lifestyle that I used to lead. Um, so, so starting here, maybe I'm going to do two training sessions. Yeah, I'm just going to and exactly. I'm going to just eat 
three serves of vegetables a day. Yeah, I'm going to choose leaner cuts of protein. But do we, because we've been talking about this overarching concept of being better and planning being an integral part of being better, Mm -hmm. do we think that they should plan ahead and say, eventually I want to get to four sessions and eventually I want to, you know, maybe track protein and calories. But are we saying that maybe we could put that like in a three-month plan and then we can come back and say, hey, but for the first week I just want to do this? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, like, I don't expect anybody with, you know, gen pop goals to, like, just get a little bit leaner, just get a little bit bigger, just get a little bit stronger, a little bit healthier. But I don't expect you to do what, what I do and you know, map out 12 months of, like, my where my surpluses and deficits are going to be and what my training phases are going to be because, like, let's just not ignore the fact that life happens, like, things, part of life happens. When I, when I talk about periodization and teach periodization, like in this whole planning process, I, I, I will go through and I'll ask, and I'm sure you do the same. It's like, let's plan the wedding here. Let's plan uni exams there. And let's plan this there. And like actually build it into alongside the training and alongside the nutrition and make, make it actually just work as part of the plan. I don't expect that to happen to people and for people to do that. We just know that things are going to come up and check plans are going to change but it doesn't defeat, it doesn't mean that planning is not a good idea. It's just mm-hmm. be also be willing to, you know, divert and to, to change. Yeah, write the plan in pencil, not in pen. Yeah. Yeah, even preps are the same. Like even if I have a 12-week prep, like I go like, oh, I was planning on doing, you know, roughly this much um, squatting at this point and I'm doing this weight at this point, but uh, I've had a shitty two weeks and my knee's playing up. And I know the last like sleep is coming to it. So then like we that's we, we track metrics and we go like this is working. Um or this isn't working. So like let's change the plan. And it's a very it's much those, those preps that they're, they're, they're definitely planned, like there's a there's an overarching guideline to it, but they 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 do change. They do change the, the methodologies, like the the actual programming variables and whatnot change. It's just the overarching principles, the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a framework with the opportunity for deviations. So you're being proactive and reactive at the same time. Like you're being proactive in the sense that you're like, this is when I'm going to take breaks. This is when I'm going to diet, blah, blah, blah. But you're also being reactive to things that might pop up that are unforeseen. You have to be. You have to be. Because like at the end of the day, in, in both of our sports, that we, we are, there's an end date. So we can't just be completely reactive and just go like, yeah, we're, you know what, we're three weeks out. I'm not feeling squatting, so let's like let's let's back off and change direction a little bit like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There has to be there has to be some level, especially in a prep that's going to be a little bit more rigid and a little bit more proactive like that. But like, I'll take proactive deloads at with my athletes at seven, eight ish weeks out, just purely because I know I don't want to take a deload at three, four weeks out because it's going to really kind of halt momentum. So like, if I proactively deload there, it gives me six, seven weeks to build up, and we can sure we can reactively upward or, or up or down um, training dose in in reaction to their recovery. But it's not like a, a no need to completely deviate from a plan, completely deload type thing. I don't want to do, I don't want to be that reactive in the press. Yeah. So it needs to be a mixture for sure. Mm. Mm. Plus it's out like the plan itself allows you to be reactive because you can come at the change in your decision-making process with clarity. And the confidence. change still has boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also still within the framework, you know, like if you, if you just did a, oh, I'm going to start trying to get stronger at 12 weeks out from powerlifting comp and then fatigue starts to accumulate at like six weeks out and you're like, oh no, I don't want to take this just yet. And then he gets to four weeks out and you're forced to take a deload because you're so tired. Now you're probably thinking like, fuck, have I ruined this? Whereas if, if you're kind of going along the plan, you're like fatigue's accumulating here. Like when can I afford to do this? Even though you may deload earlier or later than intended, you're still doing it with some form of like, you know, information, feedback. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, in, and to relate it to a gen pop person that's maybe trying to lose fat or gain muscle, it might be like maybe before you get to the point of, you know, wanting to freaking, you know, go crazy because you're so goddamn hungry. Maybe, we, maybe before we get there, we do like a little bit of a diet break and, and, not let ourselves get to the to the crazy levels, <laughs> I guess. Um, and like, we can chuck it in there, and it's the same sort of concept. Just like we don't need to right now, but it's just a good idea from a planning perspective. Mm. Um, 
to allow us to continuously be moving forward. Yeah. And um, something, so the three of us are all taking individual modules in the STC FIT 1% PT program. For personal trainers listening, you should definitely check it out. Will, you're taking powerlifting coaching, aren't you? Dean, yeah. you're taking, I'm taking gen pop nutrition coaching. This is something um, I speak about because you just mentioned for a gen pop person, this could apply by them taking, you know, a maintenance week or a maintenance month, like a break from dieting before they snap. This is something I talk about in my module when I'm coaching coaches, how to be nutrition coaches. If somebody is tracking macros, it's quite easy to do a maintenance week or even a refeed, you know, like two days back at maintenance. Because let's say somebody's eating in a 500 calorie deficit, 500 calories less than they need to maintain weight. We'll just go, cool, for the next week, you're eating back at maintenance calories, add an extra 500 a day. But the question is, not everybody tracks macros. So what do we do if we've set a client up um, with some sort of, you know, flexible eating routine where they're eating in a deficit? How do we diet break that client? How do we give them a rest before they snap? And there's a few different ways to do it. Um, Some are pretty obvious, like saying to the client, continue eating as you are but add an extra serve of carbohydrates to each main meal because we know that we generally want the extra calories in a diet break or a refeed to come from carbs. Or you could say to the person, okay, you've been eating to this flexible eating routine and every day you've had a budget of, I don't know, whatever you've given the person, 200 calories to spend on whatever you want, chocolate, wine, chips. For the next week, you now have 600 calories to spend a day. Chocolate, wine and chips. (laughs) And, but you probably oh, would say if hunger has been extreme, you would advise the person to spend those calories wisely on things that are quite satiating, not on Old like potato. Yeah. Like so much potato that you get. To <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, potato actually is a good one. Cause if we look at the satiety index, boiled white potato is the most satiating food. So to carve <laughs> yeah, someone up on that for a bodybuilding show, it doesn't surprise me. Mm. <laughs> you felt like that. Um, yeah, so there's some ways that we can go about taking breaks as a gen popper, which stands for general population, if anyone's confused, without having to m- meticulously track <clears throat> those calories or those macros. Mm. You know, it's, it, it's not as uh, precise. We don't know exactly how many calories you're introducing, but we know it's at least enough to reduce diet fatigue. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it doesn't need to be as precise either because unlike what Will said before, the goal for this individual is not time-sensitive potentially like maybe they have an event or something but like yeah. it's not as time sensitive to the point of you have a competition on x day you therefore can only afford to take and you have to be diet. exactly this weight yeah, yeah, for the yeah. competition mm. yeah um and, and that is a great representation of general population versus uh say athlete specific periodization here is we may say the athlete has 12 weeks we want to deload somewhere in the six to eight week out range but you give yourself a small range whereas we may say to the general population you know, we want to try and diet for 12 weeks, but if we only get to six weeks and we have to take a week off, that's okay too, because this is like non-linear, like, and it's non-time specific. Yeah. You always have the opportunity to deviate and take a new route, so long as you're still working towards the end um, destination. Mm. Yeah, as long as you don't blow out off the rails and you know, head down your very, very off the path. Yeah, and, and confuse. More from a mental aspect. Yeah, do you find that often, because um, just going totally off the rails and choosing a different path, people would take like a cheat day or a cheat meal and they um, misunderstand the concept of a break, like a diet break or a refeed as a cheat meal? Do you ever have clients like that? Well, I don't handle the nutrition, but I find that okay. probably not probably not as much uh, uh, as, as we, we don't get a lot of physique orientated. I guess clients where we're more working at strength, so I think it's a little less on their mind. Okay. Uh, with cheats and that, but yeah, we don't, we don't use those words or anything along those. Ro- anyway, we same as you guys. I teach it to be trying to uh, incorporate it into the plan as opposed to you know deviate off the plan and then um, yeah. treat it as a bad thing. Yeah, I don't believe in dirty food, but I do believe in dirty words, and cheat meals are definitely <laughs> one of them. Um. Now, I don't know how long we've been chatting for because we had uh, an off-recording chat before this. Do you think it's time that we need to do our wrap-up questions, Dean? Because I feel like I could talk to you forever, Will. It's been a very interesting conversation. And the wrap-up questions always get me. (laughs) They're always the worst part of the podcast because people ask me like, oh, and then I always never have an answer. (laughs) 
I reckon we should ask Will about his beard routine. No, we're not going to ask him about his beard routine. Oh, my God. Now, what about... um, (laughs) I actually have been going for about 45 minutes. What was that, Will? I I, I recently purchased beard oil. I do Uh, not We are not talking about this. I got it from Woolworths, like apparently it's it's the same as the expensive stuff. So okay. Anyway, just thought I'd give Thank people a bit of a This is a great tip. So interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. Just Especially- a tip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I promise I won't throw any curly ones at you, Will. Um, what is your favourite Bible story? Maybe we'll go with that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you know any Bible yeah. stories? No, I actually not. Um, All right, what Bible story do you really know? There is a good Bible story. Really? What? It's the uh, isn't the fish one like a Bible story? Like, as in you can teach a man to fish. Like, no, I was thinking. No, I was thinking, that's I think not it, a Bible. No, story. but I was thinking it was a it was part of the Jesus part where he's like taught. Oh, no, part of the Jesus part. Dan, mm. you clearly read the Bible. <laughs> yeah, the part where the part where, the part where Jesus does good. I did not plan this conversation. It just comes back to life or something. Well, that part. Okay. All I've learned is that back in the day they ate a lot less food because if he fed all those people on just bread and fish, was it bread and fish? Bread. What are you talking about? Jesus gave Jesus, people bread. No, you're talking about manna <laughs> that fell from the sky maybe. And, the yes, the peop- there was um, a community of people that roamed the desert for 40 years and all they ate was manna that fell from the sky. Is that what you're talking they about? They had manna? You know, no, there's manna- there's a famous story where Jesus... Yeah, you know, gets fish and bread and feeds the masses. No, he just feeds a party of people. I don't think he feeds everyone. Anyways, this was meant to be a quick, funny story, and it's just turned into a really annoying conversation. <laughs> so we're going to be That was my intention. Will, <laughs> if you had to leave... What was the story? Yeah, I didn't even hear the funny story. What's, what's, what's the funny? The oh, my funny. God. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Thank you, both of you. I planned this, you If see? you had to leave listeners with... One takeaway point on how to be less shit. What might we? This isn't a funny story. <laughs> we're ignoring the, the, the. Okay, cool. We skipped it. No, we're going back to the fun stuff after this. This is the. This is the. You know, the finale of the wrap up of like how to be better in this planning discussion that we've. Had. And then we will not be coming back to the funny Bible story. Not the Bible story, just okay. a funny story. Okay. How <laughs> how will people be less shit? Will. <laughs> go say the, say the whole question. I'll miss the first part. <laughs> if you had to leave listeners with one point on how to be less shit. Oh, I mean, I feel like we've been blabbing on about planning the whole time. I mean, <laughs> like, I feel like it would be an injustice to say anything else but that. So, I mean, I like, like if you are not uh, planning more than your, I don't know, the week ahead of training or the week of nutrition, maybe it's an idea to break out the... Uh, Break out the, you know, the calendar or the, uh, the, uh, the Google calendar, whatever you want to use. Analog, digital, I'm all for it. But plan some shit out. Get okay. some, get some plans on paper. Or reach out to us. We can help you. Plan. Yeah. Mm. Nexus Performance uh, Gym underscore Gym. Is that what your IG handle is? Nexus Performance dot Gym is the gym. Nexus Performance dot AUS is the online, I guess, component for us. Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, and if you want to learn more about just lifting weights and stuff, you even myself at W Cross. Cool. Mm. Love it. Love it. Now, if we are all dying to share a funny story, does anyone have something to share? Mm. Um, I'm keen to hear your funny Bible story because I, I have no idea where that question was meant to be going. What's your favourite Bible story, Liz? No, no that, that wasn't meant to be going anywhere. You said that you uh, people ask you questions that you don't know how to answer, and I know you haven't read Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I was just – yeah, I was just I trying to – I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not funny now because I didn't get it, but now I get it. <laughs> My question maybe wasn't very clear. Um, I Look, I think I have read the Bible. I'm definitely not religious, but I've mentioned on the podcast before that um, my mum as a child pushed me into religious studies for about 10 years. And I think I'm definitely going to offend some religious people here, but I think a lot of it is fucking hilarious because it just flies in the face of, um, logic and it's extremely sexist and racist and there's lots of it that you could laugh at really mm. and I, I do definitely acknowledge the the great points around morality and things like that but morality can exist uh, without somebody telling you the 10 points that you must follow and without the fear of internal damnation 
and I'll end there. I'm so sorry for religious people who are offended, but I respect it. Okay. That's really interesting, just like the beard stuff. Mm. Super. The beard stuff's super interesting. <laughs> um, I, have a, I have a funny religion-related story. All right. So if anybody ever wanted to question that there aren't teachers' pets and or students that get a leg up in school because of who they are and what they do, especially this isn't a funny story. No, especially if you're in sport. Okay. Um, I'm a representation of this okay. injustice. Okay. And the funny part of it is, is that I was in a study of religion class. Yes. And the morning that we got into class, the teacher said, Hey, everyone got your assignments? If not, you've got 50 minutes. And both me and my mate went, Oops, we forgot. I wrote the first 50%. He wrote the last 50%. We traded tidied up each other's language and then handed them in. I got an A minus. He got a C minus and had a note on his that says, you have clearly copied Dean um, and <laughs> that you have failed. Even though you copied Even him. though I copied him. Maybe she just didn't catch yours. And she I just think she thought Dean wouldn't do that. Right. This guy would. Uh, Dean's a good student. This guy's a little oh. shit. And she just attributed him to being the, the, the thief as opposed to the fact of being a mutual agreement. Mm. Everybody's just learned something about Dean as they put in two shoes. <laughs> no, I just played sport for a school that, that took sport more seriously than academics. Okay. That's not true. They, they took both. But if you were good at sport at my school, you got to do a lot more at school. Okay. You're the jock. We got it. Okay, yep. cool. The jock. <laughs> and now I have jocks that don't. <laughs> I love it. All right, Will, are you ready for your would you rather? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Would you rather have laser nipples so you can shoot lasers from them at any point in time that you want to? That's pretty good. Or, or would you rather have really strong teeth that you can bite through anything you want? Oh, nah, laser nipples for sure. What? <laughs> Why would anyone choose laser nipples over a super strength? Imagine tool? how popular you just shooting lasers. Just shooting lasers. I have distance. You know, yeah, somebody comes at me. Oh, I imagine. Oh. At a powerlifting meet, as you stand up from a deadlift, the whole time, <laughs> fuck, those lasers. Yeah, hectic. <laughs> well, if Dean's going to go to the chompers, why, why are you choosing chompers then? Why, why are you still out like there? Like what, like what? What would you chomp through? Well, like, yeah, if I needed to, I could just be like, I'd just break through this in my mouth. Like, what if, you know, there was a lock on a fence? I could laser it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could I could laser it. I fucking laser that shit. <laughs> Yeah, but that means you're going to be topless everywhere too. Otherwise, you're going to burn holes in your shirts. Does he have control of these laser nipples? I suppose that you could put little caps on them so that you don't burn holes in the people. Yeah, like the X-Man with the thing over his eyes. It's funny. Yeah, okay, now serious question. Yeah. How does he activate the laser? Is it mind control or does he have to pinch him? <laughs> How would you want I think he has to pinch him. You have to pinch him point, Will. Is he still keeping him? If you had to grab yourself by the tete. And point and 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 laser things off. Would uh, you still? Yeah, do? I think it's a worthy sacrifice for that that ability. Okay. I, think I think it's worth it. But do you come up with those? Did you come up with those on the spot, or are they? I just thought of it. Excellent. That's 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 your uh, that's your super your skill. Is it is my I've, yeah. I've got a mouth, mouth related would you rather. Now, normally when I make these up, Will, I fuck them up on the spot and they're just terrible. So let me see if I can do this. Oh, the last two times you tried to do would you rather on the spot, they really, they've they ruined the sense. whole podcast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to make this podcast better. All right, hurry up. Right. Would you rather have a Hitler mustache with no teeth underneath it? Like no front teeth? Yeah. Okay. So the, te- the mustache takes up the teeth or a full mustache but only have two front teeth? Oh. You've gone the opposite way, Emily. Liz were both cool. Abilities have these are both terrible. <laughs> uh, oh, man, that's terrible. That is terrible. No, I reckon that uh, I'm assuming that the, 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 uh, I'm not allowed to replace these teeth either. Yeah. Um, yeah. Way, obviously. Um, I don't think I have to just go to hit mustache and deal with it because I, I have to eat at some point. <laughs> like, so you're not choosing the bottom money. You could live on Gatorade and jelly and protein shakes. Yeah. You your bottom teeth you too. Just with top ones. Yeah, but you can't chew just with bottom teeth. You've got Bugs Bunny teeth. I'd go Bugs Bunny teeth. Would you? Yeah, because I think, you know, right, you know, this is my thought. A Hitler mustache is incredibly offensive. That's going to go against you for a lot of, <laughs> a lot, in a lot of places. And then you've just got a big gap in the middle, which makes it look even worse. Like you're really highlighting the, the stash. Mm. Whereas the Bugs Bunny teeth, you can at least gnaw on things. 
you nibble on them, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll just and be, you, I you don't have a hit cereal. Muscle. Cereal. It'd just be like old person diet where I'm just eating like just slush, slush, just you know, soggy cereal. Yogurt only. Wheat beaks only. The homeless mm. person's diet. And I think that is the perfect place to wrap up. Um, Beautiful. <laughs> thank you for coming on the podcast, Will. It was very interesting. Yes, made it number two. Uh, I'll be back for number three. To, to, I'm assuming there's been no three. three. No one's been on three, three times. You okay. might be the first. I'll have to make it up. I'll come back for that, sure. All right. I'll get, I, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get here at some point, for sure. You need to start thinking about funny Bible stories for our third podcast, okay? I'll invite some uh, <clears throat> Jehovah's Witnesses to the place and they can come tell me some of their funny stories. Excellent. You should. You should. There must be sexism or racism at the very least. Mm. <laughs> They're always great to yeah. love, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll make that. I'll make that. I'll say, like, I only want to learn about the parts I have that, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. Please cater. Wouldn't that be cater. a great question to ask a Jehovah at the front door? But just, just, I would actually like to learn. So can you tell me something sexist or racist out of the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling I wouldn't be invited back to the to the uh, clubhouse or whatever they call it. <laughs> very tolerant people, I think. You the clubhouse. <laughs> the, I don't know. <laughs> the weekend sessions. But, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they, don't, don't, call they, it, they don't call it churches, so you're right. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what the word is. I forget. Um, gosh, it's been it's been sixteen years since I have been involved. So from memory, they just call it the community. They just they community they event. go to the hall. That's right. They meet up at the hall. It's not a church <gasps> because oh, they they that? don't Jehovah's Witnesses, um, unlike every other Christian denomination, don't have statues uh, like big Jesus statues on the cross or Mary statues and things like that. Um, yeah. So it's not, it's not called a church because they don't have idols of worship, so it's just a hall. What an interesting lesson this has become. Oh, I, we did say before pressing record that we're going to end up in another world in terms <laughs> of uh, deviations from the topic, and I feel like we've, we, we have accomplished. We absolutely that. nailed it. Yeah. 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 Probably as far off track as we could possibly be. How so, do you have his witnesses? It's, of course. They go together. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for coming on, Will.